On this episode of The Sam's Report, we talk about Skylake CPUs, Redstone, Xbox, eh, you know what, even a little about SharePoint. This is The Sam's Report. Today is January 22nd. It is the second to last Friday of the month, of the first month of the year. And I am your host, Brad Sams. This is The Sam's Report, and this is going to be fun. Uh, lots and lots of lots of good stuff to talk about. Paul going nuclear, but I want to give some background on that stuff. New Surface Book released, not really announced. And a little bit more about that Xbox event that is happening next month in San Francisco. So this is The Sam's Report for January 22nd. Let's do this. All right, first things up. Microsoft this week announced a Surface Power Cord recall. Um, it's voluntary, so it's not necessarily a huge issue, but it's something you should definitely be aware of if you have a Surface of any nature. So the deal with this is any Surface device that was sold before July 15th, 2015, only the power cord part. So if you're familiar with it, you have the little power block and then you have the power cord that connects in. It's just that cord part. And what they're saying is that if you take that cord part and wrap it around the block too many times, it can start to fray. And so they're getting ahead of the curve here and just recalling that. So if you have one of those, you can log on to surface.com slash power cord and Microsoft will tell you how to get a new one. Um, you know, just take a look at your cord. Myself personally, I looked at all mine. I didn't have any issues. I don't really wrap it around the block. That block has sharp edges. So I'm wondering if that's part of the issue here. But, um, you know, if that's you, there you go. You can get a free replacement from Microsoft. Speaking of the Surface, uh, this morning Microsoft announced, and, and people keep writing this up as like, there's a new high-end Surface. Okay, so it's not really new, first of all. Microsoft announced this back in October. They are releasing the one terabyte version with 16 gigs of RAM uh, Surface Book for the lovely low, low price of $3,199. That is a very, very expensive laptop. And so this one right here actually is the i7D GPU, 16 gigs of RAM with a 512 SSD and it's several hundred dollars less. Personally, I have a very hard time recommending a Surface Book for 3,200 bucks. Um, and we'll get to this in a second. That's a lot of money. You can, hell, you can buy a low-end Surface Book and a freaking desktop for that type of money. Uh, the other thing is too, at that price point, that machine will not run two 4K displays at 60 hertz. It'll run two 4K at 30 hertz, which for me, spending 3,200 bucks on a PC that can't run two 4K displays at their proper resolution or refresh rate is ridiculous. Um, not to mention, there's another issue with the Surface Book here, which I will show you. So if you haven't seen these things close up here, you can see the power port right here, oops, right there, and then you can see the uh, display port. The problem is here, and the reason why I'm not using this machine right now, is that if you plug in the Surface Dock, which I'm using with my Surface Pro 4, you cannot access that display port. It becomes blocked. That's why you cannot run two 4K displays at 60 hertz, because that connector is too large and you can't actually fit the two adapters into it. I've tried shoving it, and it just, it doesn't work. It's ridiculous. So $3,200 machine, that doesn't work. It's a really, I, unless money is a no problem, I mean, unless you just take money and just burn it um, for the sake of burning money, I would not buy it. So this leads me into the next post here. So this morning, Paul and I had talked about this for many, many, many weeks. Um, I think it was six to eight weeks or so. Paul finally went crazy this morning and published his Surface Gate post. So 
I tend to agree with this, and I am much more on the optimistic side of things, as many people who probably watch this know. I, I like my Surface Book. I use this one every single day. It is my laptop. It is what I take with me. But we, the, the problems with them are very well known. You can't put them to sleep. When they do go to sleep, or when you think they're sleeping, the battery drains, these things become very hot, and you can't trust them. You can't trust that this thing being unplugged, you can see it's plugged in right there, um, will have any battery life when you go grab it. So that's a huge issue. Not to mention there's issues with the display in the, the connector here, or the keyboard base, where it will just stop working. You turn it on, it turns on, great, and then it doesn't work. So you have to either reboot, you have to disconnect the display, and they're just a whole bunch of little things. Now, I want to put some context around this because I got some background information um, from some inside sources here about what's really going on with the Surface. So Microsoft, as you're probably well aware of how these devices are, um, they really were one of the first out of the gate with a Skylake CPU. These things run Intel's latest generation and Microsoft was hot out of the gates, much like they were with the Surface 3 and the Atom Cherry Trail. Microsoft, again, early adopters of the Intel Skylake chip. The biggest issues with this, um, which I would classify as the no sleep or the battery drain when the screen is off, are Skylake issues. I don't believe they're actually Windows 10 problems because I have other Windows 10 machines, such as this uh, whoops, Spectre 360 right here that sleeps just fine. So it's clearly not a Windows 10 issue. My Dell XPS 13 sleeps, no problem. The Surface Book with Skylake is the issue. And so I think Microsoft is paying the price here for being an early adopter of the hardware. I think Intel honestly screwed over the Surface Book market. Um, I, I, I don't wanna fully blame Intel on this because Microsoft shipped it. But I really would love to have been a fly on the wall when the conversation came to Microsoft clearly knew about this problem and Intel had to have known about it. And the two had to at some point sat down. I want to know what happened in that conversation. Did Intel say, hey, Microsoft, uh, we'll have this issue fixed in 20 days. And then 20 days elapsed and nothing happened. Or did they sit down and say, hey, you know what? We don't really know what the problem is. We don't know when it's going to be released. And then Microsoft went ahead and just shipped it anyways. If it's the latter, it's a tough it's a tough call. And I'm, I'm assuming that it's probably Meyerson's call since he's the uh, head of the devices group. I don't think it would be Panos. I mean, I'm sure they were all in a room and decided together. But whatever, they shipped this device and now they're selling a $3,200 version of it that does not sleep. It's... It's a tough product because I really like the trackpad. I like the idea. I like, I mean, I physically like the hardware. The hardware is fine. The problem is that it just, you can't trust it. And that's what Paul and I were, have alluded to for many weeks now. And we finally just said, hey, it, it's just not possible. People really need to be aware of this um, at full scale, that the problem is not fixed. And so that's the background of Paul's post that he wrote up today that we had talked about um, for quite a while. And I tend to agree with it. It's... The Surface Book right now, it's because Microsoft has not given any guidance on when it's going to be fixed, it is a tough sell. I mean, imagine telling your parents, who you have to deal with every single day or every week or whatever, that they should go spend $1,700 on a Surface Book to get the, a mid-spec one. And then they tell you every time they open it, the battery's dead, or it's hot, or they can't trust it anymore. That's a... Uh, that's tough, especially when they could go buy a Spectre 360, be completely happy. Now, granted, it doesn't have an attachable display, but they could go buy that and voila, no issues. So 
I really hope Microsoft and Intel can figure this out. It would be great if Microsoft, I know you're listening, would come forward and just say, hey, here's it. Here's what it is. This is the exact problem. This is the roadmap. This is what we're doing. And here's how we're going to fix this and make this right. Because there's a lot of people who spend a lot of money on these machines and they're not getting the value of being an ultimate laptop. Microsoft calls these the ultimate laptop. That's clearly not the case. And these aren't new. If you go back and read every single review, my review, Paul's review, Wall Street Journal, anybody's, they will talk about the early issues. But everybody chalked it up to being these were pre-production devices. And clearly that doesn't didn't make a difference. So... That is the issue with the Surface Book. Please keep it in mind if you're going to buy it. I still like them. I, I still use them. Um, they're great machines. Just the sleep and battery drain bug is atrocious, and it's something that you should be aware of. So, so we've got that out of the way. I just want to talk about that because there's more issues with Skylake. Microsoft this week, I actually talked with Microsoft before this post went live because they were very, very cautious about this. And I want to clear some things up here, too, that were kind of running rampant. So last week, and I thought it was supposed to be out this week, Microsoft announced that there was going to be limited support for Windows 7 Skylake CPUs. Now, put that in layman's term. If you're going to buy a new Skylake-based laptop, there's going to be limited support for running Windows 7 on it. Specifically, they're only announcing support for business machines. If you're a consumer buying a Skylake machine, it better be Windows 10. That's, that's just the way it is. Uh, if you're... An enterprise and you still need Windows 7 because hey it does take a long time to move this stuff enterprises are slow moving for a re for a good reason they need things to be stable secure and efficient before they upgrade their internal systems but what Microsoft announced is that limited support meaning that they are gonna publish a list of laptops and don't quote this but um, I believe on HP they said they were supporting like 45 out of 49 models like it's it's a it should be a pretty all-encompassing list of business class machines running Skylake CPUs that they will support with Windows 7 for 18 months. That's it, 18 months. And what that means is they're gonna get driver support. That's the big issue is that there has to be emulation that done, there has to be emulation done and all that good stuff. But um, just keep that in mind. If you're a corporate customer and you're gonna be buying brand new hardware with limited, or brand new hardware to run Windows 7, you're gonna have limited support from Microsoft. You'll essentially have 18 months to upgrade to Windows 10. Or you can just buy an older version that does not have Skylake, and then you get the full breadth of Windows 7 support. Now, why are they doing this? Well, as we just talked about, Skylake is a dumpster fire at this point. There's just some big issues with the actual chip. So there's a dumpster fire with the chips, and Microsoft needs to support it. And I totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> So we got the limited support. Okay, the reason why, I was trying to read the comments on the chat room. So the limited support, the reason why they're doing this, and the reason why this news was kind of bad timing is, prior to this, Microsoft announced they were going to start pushing Windows 10 to domain-joined machines. So you take that, Microsoft's being super aggressive in the business space now, and that it's only affecting the domain join is only affecting the small customers. And then they come out and say, hey, there's only going to be limited support for Skylake and all that good stuff. So that was not the case. Um, it wasn't, well, there, that is the case. But what they're saying here is not that they're doing this to force people to Windows 10. The Skylake issue is a totally different bucket, uh, according to Microsoft, than the Windows 10 upgrade process. So it's just kind of a bad timing scenario and they wanted to make it clear that the reason they're doing this is that it was a Skylake issue that they're forced to do this and to support Skylake machines for the entire breadth of the Windows lifecycle, 
was going to require significant resources to Windows 7, and it was going to impact their operations. Uh, because Skylake, again, is not a great chip, Intel screwed the, you know, screwed the pooch on this. So keep that in mind. I And I actually do believe them on this. I've heard some other sources um, outside of Microsoft that they're having issues with Skylake, and that Microsoft is genuinely doing this because they have to, not because they're trying to force the arm of Windows 10. Now, granted, they want you to move to Windows 10, but that's it. So that is Skylake in a dumpster fire nutshell, and that is what's going on with Microsoft in that department. Just keep in mind that anything Skylake and Windows at this point, it's a little dicey. Just make sure you read up on it before you, you go full forward with it. Um, speaking of small little scoops here, so Microsoft announced uh, yeah, it was this week, that they're going to be having an Xbox and Windows event, I believe it's in San Francisco, at the end of February. So this raised a lot of questions because people are saying, hey, is there going to be new hardware? Is it going to be a games preview? What is it going to be? What are they doing here? How big is this thing? So there's a couple of thoughts. Typically, Microsoft has done all of their big announcements at E3, which comes just a couple months after. That's usually around uh, the June time frame. So why would they be holding a big event if they were going to when they typically announce things at E3, which is a, generally a much better venue. It's the big gaming conference of the year if you're not familiar with E3. So I don't have a lot about what's going on. I'm still working on that. But one thing I do know that is coming down the pipe. So the Xbox Elite controller here, which I love. If you can find one, Microsoft totally uh, screwed up here not making enough of these things. But there's interchangeable parts, right? You can take the little cap off. Um, I don't have the the joysticks or the paddles on the back. But one of the things that is coming to this is you're gonna be able to buy third-party parts. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure Microsoft's gonna start doing that. I don't know when they're gonna announce this, but imagine Mad Cats of all people, I'm assuming, um, can then make paddles and they can make little add-ons and little trinkets and little other enhancements to this device uh, to make it even more customizable. This is a great controller, highly recommend it, but I believe that is coming um, in the very near future for the Xbox Elite controller. So keep that in mind. I don't know if that's what they're announcing and they're clearly not holding an event just for that, but that very well could be part of it. But yeah, so Xbox event, I hope it's not just a pure like, here's the great games that are coming and they're trying to generate more hype. Um, but I, I am hoping that they've got some big announcements because remember the Xbox is running Windows 10. They can do a lot of fun things with that. We've already seen the streaming back and forth. Maybe they're taking it to the next level. I don't know. I'm still trying to uh, dig around and see. Xbox is just kind of its own little beast with inside of Microsoft. But nonetheless, there's going to be some Xbox news next month, end of next month. What else is going on in the world of Microsoft? Uh, Microsoft dumped out a new build of Redstone this week. And yeah, it's what version is it? It is 11102. So good build. I mean, I, I installed it. Um, I, again, at this point, do not install these builds on your production machine. It's crazy. First off, Microsoft had noted that there are gaming issues with this particular build, such as the games are crashing, I believe if you resize the window. So be careful installing this. I put it in a VM, and I also put it on one of my extra Surface books here just to play around with, but I do not put it on the machine that I'm actually podcasting from because it's just not worth the risk at this point, especially because they're shipping them faster, which kind of leads me to the next point here. So one of the things Microsoft did, and I got a little pushback here from 
some outsiders, not people within Microsoft. I wrote a post up this week on Petri where I talked about Microsoft made some significant updates to OneCore and their other internal provisioning systems. Now, this took several weeks. Gabe actually noted it in his in his post. He said, hey, we did a bunch of OneCore updates and that's why there's no new features because we were doing this backend stuff. And so I poked around trying to figure out what is all this backend stuff. So essentially what it is, it's a lot of retooling of their internal systems. Um, prior to this, when they every time they compiled a build, it was just a big, long, atrocious process, something that had not been updated in years. One person thought it may not have been updated in decades. It was just a long, arduous process, and it was really impacting their ability to be agile. So what they do, they carved out time to properly fix this. And this leads me to the second point. The reason why I believe Gabe and Microsoft made the announcement that they would start shipping builds faster is partially because they can now compile them faster. They can now get better feedback faster. I believe they adopted new telemetry systems as well to improve their their bug reporting. So essentially they modernized to some extent their compilation process of new builds, which gives them better builds faster, gives them more information faster, and means that they can start shipping builds faster. And then you look at that, they also lowered their tolerance for what is eligible for the fastering. You combine these things, and I expect we'll see builds pretty rapidly from Microsoft. Now, granted, there's gonna be more bugs, so don't install them on your primary machines because that's an issue. But we should start seeing things more in rapid succession, such as a new build came out this week and actually has the first feature that is public facing, and don't get me wrong, it is a doozy. Uh, it's the Edge Extension Manager for Microsoft Edge Browser. It's a, uh, yeah. Or no, that's not even, I read the wrong line. <laughs> that's how great this thing is. It's not even that, it's a, a back history. So if you go to a couple different web pages and then you hold down on the back button, or maybe it's right click, you can actually see the past couple pages and just jump back to one. Um, that's the doozy feature. This next part was if you actually uh, do some hex editing in a, with a hex editor, you can change some strings and you can actually turn on the edge extension manager. So edge extensions, we all know they're coming. They are getting there. Fortunately, we have no, unfortunately I should say, we have no idea when they're gonna arrive. Microsoft has not really given us any kind of feedback on that stuff. Remember, it was supposed to ship initially in uh, with the November update. That did not happen. So now we have little bits and pieces. I wrote a post up today on Throt that uh, shows a picture of what it looks like. It's really nothing crazy, but it's just how you're going to manage the extensions with inside of the Edge browser. So speaking of Edge in Windows 10, I got this question a lot, actually. I was really surprised. I need to ping my friends on the Edge team and ask them why this. So... Obviously, these features that have come up, um, such as the extension manager or the back button item, initially when they talked about Edge, they kept telling us, hey, we can update it independent of the OS. But every update so far has come through the OS, I believe. So I don't understand why everything is dependent on a new build coming down from Microsoft and why it's not just being updated on the fly. I thought that was the entire point of this. I, to be honest, I really need to dig around. If anybody knows, I would love to hear the feedback onto why Edge is only being updated with build releases rather than um, through the store or just on the fly. It's a little disheartening too because I was really looking forward to rapid updates to Edge, but it's just not been, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things missing. Edge, Edge, Edge extensions being a big one. Um, so we'll see what happens here. I don't want to rain on it. But yeah, we'll see what we can figure out about that stuff. 
So other things that happened in the world of Microsoft this week, and this one's a doozy. Todd, if you're listening, which I think you are, uh, Todd Clint, Clint, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, is now writing for Petri, and he covers SharePoint. He's a SharePoint guru. I don't even pretend. I know how to spell it. I know how to use it. I do not know how to install it or do anything else. But SharePoint 2016 RC build was released this week for people who are SharePoint admins. This is like the holy grail from what I understand. This is a big release for them. And so go grab it. You can play it, install it, and there's lots of good stuff. Another thing that came out this week is the Dropbox Universal Windows Platform app. So Dropbox have been working with Microsoft. They announced, I believe it was last year, a deal where uh, you can now save directly to Dropbox from within inside of Office. Office, And now Dropbox is reciprocating. Actually, Rudy Hun, if you're familiar with that name, built this app. And it's a, a modern Windows app that works on the desktop. It will be coming to mobile. And it's just another big name for the Windows Store. It's another way for um, Microsoft to promote its Windows Store. Although. The Windows Store on the desktop is still kind of a catch-22 because you have this modern app or you could just download their traditional desktop app that um, Dropbox has. And I can't imagine them dropping their Win32 app in favor of the modern app because they're generally more restrictive what you can do in those. But if that's your thing, it's coming or it's already out. And if you need it on a mobile device, you'll soon have an official Dropbox app. Uh, yes. So what else happened? This actually happened over the weekend. HoloLens and a poor tech evangelist for Microsoft, I think, met his maker at the company because of what he did. So at an event in Tel Aviv, there was a HoloLens hype event. They were talking about HoloLens and an individual recorded the session and posted it up to YouTube and a spokesperson for Microsoft or a tech evangelist for Microsoft gave out a bunch of details that we did not know previously about the device. Notably, 5.5 hours of battery doing basic things and 2.5 hours under heavy use. And of course, because it's a low number, lower-ish number, people tend to freak out. I should say some of the writers tend to freak out saying it's garbage, it's terrible. Okay, let's, let's think about this for a second. First off, batteries are heavy. You're wearing this thing on your head. If Microsoft just loaded this thing up with batteries, it would look ridiculous. Looks aside... I don't see people wearing these things for hours upon hours upon hours on end. Like, granted, Microsoft can make it as comfortable as you want, but it, it's still a contraption. It's a, as they describe it, it's a laptop on your head. Do you really want to be wearing a laptop on your head, at least this iteration, for eight hours a day? I don't think you do. Um, 2.5 hours under heavy use. I think, I think it'll be adequate. Obviously, everyone would love to say it's 10 hours. I would love to say it's 10 hours, but I don't think that's a realistic expectation for a Gen 1 product that is augmented reality, that has a new holographic processor. Um, it's just the nature of everything, right? It's going to get smaller. It's going to get better. It's going to get faster. We're on Gen 1. I've said it a million times. I don't think Gen 1 is going to be a device that sells in 10 million volume to the consumer. This is an enterprise device. They need to get the apps and games and whatnot built up. And I honestly think by the time that happens, we're going to start to see Gen 2 hardware. It's going to be an evolution. This augmented reality adoption is not an overnight thing. I'm not using two monitors right now and a traditional keyboard and mouse, and next month when HoloLens comes out, I'm just dumping it all and going to that. It's not going to be like that. It's going to take some time. So they're taking the right approach. Um, on, the, on the visibility, if you've never used a HoloLens, they state that the viewing box, where in, and I've harped about this <clears throat> changing time and time again, but, and this is a really good description, they consider it 
uh, to be a view box of a 15 inch monitor about two feet away from your face. So that's rough. I think it might be a little bit wider than that personally after having like sat in that type of a scenario. But that's, that's a good rough approximation of the viewing angles um, and limitations for it. So keep that in mind when you're looking at HoloLens. And they're starting to ship out now, or I shouldn't say ship out, they're starting to accept developers and they should be shipping out the development hardware very soon. Um, expect to hear again more at Build about HoloLens and their plans. And speaking of Build, uh, Build, <laughs> did you get a ticket? Were you able to register? So holy cow, what a crazy event this was. So Build, Registration went live at 9 a.m. It was a Wednesday, I believe. And it took less than a minute for it to sell out. It was selling out so quickly that people were getting waitlisted immediately. Immediately. And it created a lot of confusion, right? You're like, it's been two minutes and I'm already on a waitlist. What is going on? And so Microsoft was like publicly saying, hey, we're looking into it. And then they just finally realized, oh my God, we met capacity in under a minute. So... If you can't go, it's because it sold out ridiculously quick. Now, one thing Microsoft did say is there's no hardware giveaway at Build this year, which I do find interesting. Now, they say they're going to make up for it with some other things and whatnot, but I don't really understand what they have, and I'm assuming they're trying to make some sort of surprise here, but it's it's a little interesting because they're charging more money. It's 2200 ish dollars, something around that, and last year they gave away about a $1,000 machine, which made it really only about 1200 bucks. Although, if, to be honest, if you're going to build for the hardware, please don't go. That's not the type of people Microsoft wants there. That's not the type of people that should be attending. If you want hardware, just wait and see what it is, and then go buy it. You'll save yourself twelve, fifteen hundred bucks. It's not why you should be going to build. Um, but I'll be curious to see what they actually do. It, it makes it surprising. Personally, if they don't give away anything, I don't really care. But as they can see, selling out within a minute, there's a lot of demand for Microsoft stuff. Uh, a lot of demand for Microsoft content and... I think, I think the driving forces behind this are honestly, so Windows 10 adoption, obviously doing well. Windows 10 mobile, not doing well. But you have Azure doing exceptionally well. And then you also have strong products like Visual Studio and SharePoint and all these other good stuff from Microsoft that's really strong in the enterprise. And who pays for conferences like this? Enterprise dollars. That's why you're seeing strong, um, you know, quick, ado quick adoption. A sell-through of Build 2016. Now, Microsoft said this and maybe next year is the first year they said they're going to look at for next year increasing capacity so i suspected because they had this problem last year it sold out really quick um i believe that they're probably locked into some sort of contract and that's why they could not change venues granted the venue the moscone center in san francisco is great it's just not large enough so i will i i assume that i will be there i've been to the last i think five in a row ever i think every single build that they've had i believe i've been to so Build should be good. Microsoft's got a lot going for it. And this was another busy week. I'm going to take a quick jump through the questions here and see if anything has come out. Oh, by the way, there was a new, another shot in the arm of the Surface Book and stuff. Today, I haven't checked to see, but I know that a Surface Pro 3 and Surface 3 update were rolling out, but not a Surface Pro 4 or Surface Book update. But anywho. That's that's about it, guys. I don't like to run these things any longer. 30 minutes is a good show length, and I appreciate everybody watching. This has been The Sam's Report. Thanks for hanging out.